Hey everyone, Rafe here. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Faces and Feels. Uh, before we jump straight into the episode, I just wanted to hit you with a quick public service announcement. Uh, promotion that's near and dear to my heart, Deathmatch Down Under, Australia's premier deathmatch wrestling company, is currently in a, the midst of a big funds drive to try and establish their own venue in Melbourne, Victoria. Now, this is a really exciting concept for me, though I don't live in Melbourne, the idea of them having a place to put on shows regularly, to stream on IWTV, to put out more content, to help develop talent, all the things you can do when you have uh, your own location seems like a really, really exciting prospect to me. Uh, if you look at somewhere like H2O Wrestling run by Matt Tremont, that's a perfect example of what can be accomplished when you have a space like that. I imagine booking venues and doing things like that and selling the idea of bringing a deathmatch company to your venue isn't always the easiest thing to do. And so, yeah, they're trying to get that done uh, and they really want to make it happen this year. But in order to make that a reality, they really need your help. So please head over to 3011arena.com.au. That is 3011arena.com.au to check out all the ways you can help. They've got all sorts of packages um, and nothing goes unrewarded. So there's various tiers starting from as little as $10 making your way all the way up to $1,000 with perks and merch and uh, being part of the mural, being literally a part of the fabric of the venue, free tickets to shows. All of these things are available uh, and you'll be helping a great cause and helping a great community that they're building over there in Melbourne. So please check out 3011arena.com.au and support Deathmatch Down Under. And with that said, let's jump into the show. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today we are joined by a very special guest. He is one half of BDE. That is big dude energy. It is the one and only Big Dave. How are you today, sir? Good moment, Rafe. Good moment, Faces and Feels podcast listeners. Are we excited? Are we amped up? Hold on. I, I asked before, I'm going to break a little bit of the fourth wall kayfabe for a moment. I asked before if we could swear. You said we could, so I'm going to start us off with the first bomb. Let's fucking go. Let's right? fucking go. <laughs> let's, let's fucking unhinge this shit. Let's go. Like, you ask me anything, I'm here for it, okay? Well, let's I'm here it. for it. Go! I fucking absolutely love it, man. And yes, I swear like a sailor and I can never stop. So this bad boy is explicit right out the gate. So let's crank straight into it, man. One question. When you think back to the first faces of pro wrestling that stood out to you and got you drawn into the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Who was it? There's, there's so many like, and I'm going to separate big Dave from obviously the shoot of, of David. I, I really didn't put much effort when I thought of my, my gimmick name <laughs> simply for the fact that there just isn't a separation between the two. I just amp it up by like 20%. Yeah. Um, but when I think back to like when I first started getting into wrestling and, 
the kind of characters and, and demeanors of who stood out to me. Um, when I first started, it was like, it was someone like Rey Mysterio, right? It was more just the appeal of, I remember my first pay-per-view being Royal Rumble 2006, you know, he obviously biggest face at the time, the run that he had, uh, Rey Mysterio from the start to the finish did it obviously for Eddie Guerrero, which at the time I didn't really know much about. Yeah. Then, you know, you, you get so encapsulated in, in the moment that, it wasn't too long after that that I started to obviously go back and do the research. And then I discovered my, I guess, the true faces of of why I really love wrestling. And they're, they're obviously The Rocks, who's, I guess, probably one of my biggest aspirations, mm-hmm. not just in wrestling, but you know, just his the way he carries himself in life. Absolutely. I like to see, think I try to carry myself in a similar kind of demeanor, in a similar kind of manner. Um, you know, you're talking to John Cena's Triple H, Brock Lesnar. I think Brock Lesnar is always going to be a name that just will always... Um, stand just shoulder to shoulder with the best, yeah. not just in wrestling, but in combat sports, someone who takes this as seriously as, as it should be mm-hmm. both as an entertainment and as a sport. Um, and then I guess if we were to transition to more of the newer generation, I, I love people like Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. people that I guess you don't physically resemble what we were grown up with in terms of people that look like wrestlers, mm-hmm. but they're embodying the character work, everything outside of, you know, 6% body fat. Um, And I think that's really important for the trajectory of the industry going forward is we look at people like that. You know, you're looking at the Garganos, you're looking at guys that just aren't big anymore um, that are doing this and killing it and exceeding it and probably doing it better than those of the yesteryear. Um, But faces that stand out to me, like straight away, if I'm talking Rushmore's, we're putting The Rock up there, Rey Mysterio. You know, I'm going to throw Kevin Owens in there. I'm going to get really cheeky. I love that. Um, And... Yeah, you know, right, and um, and Stone Cold, Stone Cold. I'm I'm yeah, very character focused, right? Yeah, yeah. That's always been um the thing that's always stood out to me in wrestling has always been not so much the moves and like it's you know obviously we're gonna debunk how we were trained, um and one of the things that's been grilled in us was it's not about the moves, it's about the moments, it's about the memories, and those wrestlers in particular were never about the moves. Like Stone Cold never had a great move set, The Rock never had a great move set. Um, but everything they did was was about building the moment. Yes. A hundred percent, man. Um, like all of those guys are large in life characters. And I love that you included Kevin Owens because he's one of the wrestlers today that like when he's cutting a promo, when he's saying anything, when you look at it in his eyes, you believe it, you know, and you can say yeah. the same for the others that you mentioned. And that's not something that always comes naturally to a lot of wrestlers, but that's, I, I really always feel it's like the 1% that will set superstars apart. You know what I mean? I, in, in any company. You know? Like I couldn't piggyback off that any better because I think it's exactly that. It's one it, it, nowadays getting wrestling isn't about, and like, like I said, it isn't about the moves. is isn't about, Oh, I can do a really nice collar and elbow transition into a, a wrist lock, you know, s- side headlock takedown like like you can make that pretty and that yeah that can be the story but it's the story it's it's you buy into why am i standing in this ring um and the narrative is always going to be to win but it doesn't have to be about the physical of winning right it can be about the mind games it can be about psychologically um beating someone with words right and it's like there's other ways to to win um and i think someone like kevin owens embodies 
the true belief of someone that, you know, he, he, he can go into a fight and realize that he's obviously not the most fit dude there, the biggest dude there. Um, but you're not going to beat his heart. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to beat down a man that, that just won't quit in terms of his, his demeanor. Um, and he believes that. And I think that's where you separate people that have been trained to wrestle and those that get wrestling. And it's, it's in those eyes. You look in them and you can tell the way they move around the ring. Um, you know, some might call it clunky, but others, others would look at it and go, no, no, he knows what he's doing. Um, because what he's doing is true to, um, you know, the, the style of character that he is. So long as they're a safe worker as well. Depends on how much more kayfabe we want to break here, right? Uh, so like we can go into the intricacies right, of how this would work. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, you know, it's exactly that. Someone like Kevin Owens stands out to me so much because um, he's one of those few that like really get wrestling mm-hmm. in the sense that, you know, like I said, it's not about the moves, but it's about the belief in what you're about to say, what you're about to do. Um to ultimately win, right? And it doesn't have to be physical, like I said. I think there's a lot of people that focus so much on the physical, um, you know, but really you can you can win the mind games yeah. of, of wrestling. And I think that's where BDE, or at least um, one of the things when we were discussing the inception of our characters mm-hmm. um, and talking about our presentation, the reasons why we chose the music that we chose, the reasons why we're more jovial when we walk out versus as soon as the bell rings are a bit more serious was our psychology is to throw you off and think that we're not taking it seriously. Um, that when history plays by one direction, oh, you think you're just getting, um, you know, fucking idiots that are coming out here and just <laughs> wasting each other's time. But, you know, as soon as that bell rings and we throw off, we throw off our, our walkout tops, you know, we're, we, we look the part, we, we, we strut around the ring, you know, we're, we're here to fight. Um, we're here to win. Um, and we've beaten you before the bell was rung at that point, because you didn't expect that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Like, uh, I re- it really impressed me when I spoke to Ricky, anybody who is listening to this episode, I think will have already listened to the episode with Ricky as I would have uh, released them around the same time. If they haven't, please go check that one out. Dave will tell you to not check it out until you've finished listening to his oh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, drop this one first. <laughs> Cut him off. Cut him off at the knees. Um, but yeah, you're 100% correct. And we'll get into the details of like the, the thought process with BD as we go on. So rewinding back a little bit, what sort of age are you when you first start to, to see wrestling? How do you see it? And then how long does that sort of fandom go? Because I, I know that for me, for a while, I was a big fan, you know, uh, as I was younger, early high school, through that. And it wasn't, then once I hit uni, I started being in bands, started doing things. I dropped out of it for quite a while and then didn't mm-hmm. get back into it later in life, you know. So have, have you always been a straight up fan? I know, know Ricky was a fan all the way through. He was like, I never, ever stopped. But for you, were, were you in and out? Or I think um, I'm very similar to you, Rafe, in that sense where... I got into it young. I got into it when I was at that impressionable age of like, I'm talking like eight, nine. Yeah. So I, I, like, I didn't get into it too young, but I got into it obviously during my childhood. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it, it was like, I believe it was Royal Rumble 2006 or at least the Survivor Series 2005. It was around that mark mm-hmm. where I started watching my first pay-per-view. My my mother actually um, grew up with wrestling. She was a fan of the WWF. Oh, cool. So she grew up with the, you know, the Rocky Johnsons, obviously the Ric Flair's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very territory based, but like she wasn't a massive fan. Yeah. But when it was on, you know, the household 
you're, I grew up in a household that was accepting of wrestling. And yeah. I can understand the old adage, I guess the old way of looking at wrestling. I don't know if it's the same now. I don't, I don't think I hear it more these days. But back in our time, and I'm talking like you know, the mid-2000s, it was the whole discussion of obviously don't try this at home. You know, it was a bit taboo uh, for people our age to watch it because then, we're, as I said, we're impressionable. We're trying to do the BFUs onto onto mattresses. We're trying to do the sweet chin musics and then blowing out our fucking hip flexes. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing all those. Um, but for me, that was, that was when I first started. And I think I, I watched it quite consistently and quite religiously probably up until my teen years. And then I, I dropped off and I dropped off mostly because I guess I just found interest in other things. I, I started to take out music. I was a bit more into, you know, I played basketball throughout my early teen years, dropped that. And then I started gym and then, you know, rest. But when I say I stopped watching wrestling, it was never that I tuned out of wrestling. It was always one of those things where, you know, you know, back then it was, I was on Reddit and I was on squared circle. I'd always keep up to date with what's going on. And then as it transitioned into, you know, the more advanced social medias like Twitter and Instagram, when they first dropped, I started following a lot of those pages to keep up to date. And whilst I never watched raw SmackDown religiously every single week, I knew the results and I still kept up to date with the stories. And if there was something that was um, going to gravitate me back in, um, I would, I would tune back in. I, I, you'd always tune back in around the Royal Rumble. Yeah. And then you'd follow it through to Mania. And, and depending on what was going on with the programming at the time, you'd follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I started to get really, really back into it. Not, um, oh, I want to say when Brock made his return, and I believe that was 2013. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe it was around 2013. I was... We're one year removed from high school. So the teen years that passed me, I was starting up uni. And funnily enough, it was around about the same time, obviously, when I bumped into Connor um, and he introduced himself so so ceremoniously into my life. Um, we connected over our love, shared love for Brock Lesnar. I don't know if he's told you that story. Obviously, I haven't listened to his uh, stupid podcast. Uh, uh, I, I can't remember if it was specifically. I, actually, I think it was because he... The way he tells it, and I mean, we could we could let you tell the story again, but essentially, it was you guys were on the train. So he talked about being a being at university or whatever, and he was like, "Saw you the first time, and you were being sort of like noisy in class." And he's pretty <laughs> reserved, and he was like, "Oh, this guy, you know, class clown, whatever." And then he was in the back, and he was watching basketball, and you sat next to him and asked him about basketball, uh, and then you guys were kind of talking. And he was like, "Oh yeah, whatever." Then you guys got on the train. And he was, he said that he was like, I don't, sorry, we're getting on or whatever. And he goes, I'm just going to read my book if that's cool. Not to be rude, but I want to read it. And yeah. then, he, then he pulled yeah. out and he had, what was it? Was the, it Brock Lesnar book or was yeah. it? Yeah. It was the Brock Lesnar book or the Jericho book. Yeah. And I remember turning around and obviously then asking if he was a wrestling fan. But conveniently enough, this was roughly around the same period of time that I was starting to transition back into watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, stars aligned in that situation. But um, just obviously to harken back and, and to fully answer the question. Um, I think, you know, most people do trail off in their teenage years and there's no fault in that. Like I think, you know, you, you find it in your childhood, um, you know, because I guess the programming at the time obviously um, was more catered to it. Mm-hmm. As the teen years come by, you realize that it's still more child focused. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess programming does shift or, or at least you start to find appreciation, not in the kayfabe, um, once you realize obviously that 
you know, I mean, we all fucking know it. It's scripted. Uh Um, But once you realize that your love for the industry, at least mine, at the very least, it shifts from believing that they're fighting for real to, well, what's, what's the story? What are they doing to get to the next level? What's, if I lose today, what does that mean for next week? Um, Where's, where's the narrative going to go? And you buy into the story the same way that, you know, when I buy a game, I'm I'm not there for the first level. I'm there to get to the final level to see what the final boss is like and what's the journey along the way. Absolutely. Um, very much narrative focus. So that was when, um, that was why I returned was I realized, well, wrestling is one of the more um, interactive forms of storytelling. Um, you know, obviously physical, it's physical theater, but outside of playing a game, I can watch a story that's, that's ever growing that a, a universe that's ever building with stories that are you know interconnected that last generations. Yeah. Um, it's literally the longest running. Um, if you want to call it a soap um, of our time, or at least one of the ones that I've, I've consistently gravitated to that literally has spanned across generations that have watched it. Um, and you can always recount stories from 20 years ago that crop up again. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just, that's beauty of wrestling. And that's why, like, I think, you know, I introduced actually my partner to it when we started dating mm-hmm. and, you know, when she sat down and watched the WrestleMania with me, um, the COVID one, so Undertaker's last ride match yeah. uh-huh. and explaining it to her, my love for wrestling, I didn't talk about the physical of it all. I didn't talk about, you know, what what's, you know, how they're going to fight and what the fight means. I spoke about the story of the undertaker. Mm-hmm. I spoke about his semblance and narrative and what this ma- match means psychologically. Yeah. That's how I sold wrestling to someone nowadays. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about um, the fact that they're fighting to win. Uh, it was about, well, what's the story? Yeah. And I think that's how, you know, I, I, I convinced her to, to start loving wrestling. Now she watches it with me. She comes to shows now, enjoys wrestling. Um, and I think that's why we return to wrestling. Yeah, I, I think you're completely correct. It's, it's how I got back into it, in a sense. Like you say, when I was uh, younger, I guess, and I got into it, I don't know if I ever really, like, fully believed it was real because, you know, we're talking early high school years and stuff, but I was really into all the characters and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, and I, I loved, like, learning about them in the same way that I loved learning about superheroes and, you know, and all those kind of things. I like heroes and characters and things like that. But when I got back into it and I like you I never really fell out all of the way I was sort of you know always apprised of it and I you know jump back in at certain points or play the video games and stuff like that there was just like a period there that I wasn't really about it and plus I was like actively playing music and doing things and plus as you know yeah, in a, yeah you've got you've got things and, the, and things move in and out and plus in Australia it's not really readily on TV for us. Like, unless you've got, like, a, a cable package like Foxtel, which you don't when you're a poor uni student and you're, like, just living on your own with, you know, three mates in a house and stuff like that. You don't have it. So you're not really watching it in that way. But years later, so I, I kind of kept a price to it, and years later I had um, moved in with my now wife and we did have a Foxtel package. And we were just flicking through channels. You know, we've got every channel, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And we come through and it was it was raw and it was like uh Seth Rollins uh curb stomping Randy Orton through like a cinder block or whatever and it's all the all that kind of stuff. 
I, well, I didn't know who Seth Rollins was. I didn't know. I knew who Randy Orton was, obviously. And then I was like, oh, I used to love wrestling or whatever. And Amy was like, yeah, me too. We should watch it. So we ended up watching it. And then we ended up getting back into it in a real way. But in in the way that like now, at this point in time, podcasts now exist. Now there's interviews. Now kayfabe is officially kind of broken. There's all that kind of stuff. So then I started getting really into like learning the mechanics of how it all worked. You know what I mean? The drama of it hearing like old road stories, you know, with wrestlers from the 80s and crazy stories and stuff like that. And that started to draw me back in. And then even when I maybe was disenfranchised with the product or, you know, like WWE or whatever it may have been, there was other stuff for me. I was learning about other companies, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan and seeing this wrestling that I never even thought was possible. Because, you know, I had only known WWF and, and WCW and that kind of stuff. And so the entire world of wrestling kind of opened up to me in a completely different way. And like you say, that is how the appreciation now works. You know what I mean? How is the match told? How smooth is it? What is the stories? What is that thing? And there's, in all different companies, there's different ways to appreciate everything. And I think that's why it's like an art form that continuously keeps giving in different ways and the the characters keep developing forever and new people appear all the time, you know, and it's what's most fun. How did you then, like, so So if you're a fan, like for me, training to be a wrestler was, was never possible. You know what I mean? I grew up in Geraldton, which is four hours sort of, you know, north of here, uh, and it just seemed like literally America is kind of so far away. So if you're you're a fan and you're you're getting back into it and stuff like that, did you ever consider I would I would like to train for this? You know, you're doing gym stuff and things like that, or was it something that fell in your lap? You know, um, very much a situation that fell in my lap. Now I don't know. Well, actually, I probably do know Ricky's answer because I think it piggybacks off mine in the sense. But like, just obviously peel it back. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up as a quite a big kid. Obviously, for me, wrestling was never something that I ever envisioned I would do. Um, you know, I, I never really, uh, other than my early teen years, I, I put on a fair bit of weight towards maybe 14, 15. Uh-huh. And for me, gym was a sense to move into utilizing my size and structure for strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I remained at a big size. I wasn't very mobile. Now, well, I don't say that in the sense that I was completely immobile, but you know, my cardio wasn't great, but I was, I was strength focused. And that was, that was really why I gymmed at the time. So for me, that's, it, wrestling was never on my mind throughout my teen years or even into my early 20s. I enjoyed it, but I just never thought, okay, this was something I could do. But mostly actually for the fact that I just didn't think there was a pathway mm-hmm. for you know people like us in Australia mm-hmm. to be able to find our way unless you were to go to America and find a school there. That, that was what my mindset was at the time. Mm-hmm. Then um, I did a disc <laughs> in my lower back off a 220 squat um, that made me realize one, I need to use a weight belt when I start lifting nowadays. Um, but then secondly, it made me realize that, you know, strength or at least level of strength training that I was doing at the time wasn't, wasn't really worth the effort uh, or at least the payoff that I was kind of getting. I did maybe, I, I never really did comps, but I, I was always kind of strength comparing against comps. So the way I trained was heavy, heavy leg press, deadlift squats, all that kind of stuff. And I realized, you know, at my size, and capability for that that size that I was, um, it just wasn't sustainable. So as a result of that, I kind of shifted into more of a bodybuilding mindset um, and started to lose weight. Mm-hmm. 
but around the same time, I'm thinking around, you know, maybe Connor's podcast would clarify it a bit better than mine, but I'm thinking 2017, 2018, friend of mine um, told me that he was working with a local wrestling company. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know we had many of those in <laughs> yeah. Australia. Yeah. Like I'm, Not I'm on the radar. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I, obviously, you know, of MCW, mm-hmm, right. Being Melbourne based, right. So you, you know, of, of, of the big company just because they have affiliations with the American ones, but I didn't know, you know, we had a territory system. Who does? In, in- like, I didn't go to like a local show until I was in my thirties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just weren't Look, even on my radar, like in any way. So my first, um, my first show was an adrenaline pro wrestling show, mm-hmm. um, based out in Seaford, Victoria. Mm-hmm. And so my, my friend works essentially management for them, um, commentary at the time. And he's like, Hey, come on down. Like, come, come watch. Right. Like, you know, we're both marks for this shit. So, you know, you'll, you'll obviously enjoy it. I'll comp you a ticket. Yeah. And I'm like, fantastic. At this point in time, I think I'm floating around like 135 kilos, 140 kilos. I'm big, yeah. but like I've, I've got size and structure to me that like, I look like someone that if I walk through the door, they would go, are you working tonight? And that's exactly what happened. So I walked in there. And I've never taken a bump in my life at this point. I've yeah. never, I've obviously done backyard shit with my brothers, mm-hmm. throwing them onto mattresses. Like I know the basic structure of an FU and a Samoan drop, but I yes. couldn't really tell you how to safely do it. Yeah. Um, I walk in there and the booker, you know, shakes my friend's hand, obviously, but then shakes mine and goes, oh, like, are you, are you working the card tonight? Uh, I'm like, no, of course not. Like I'm just here as a fan. He looks me up and down. And I'll never forget this. It's always the first story I tell. Looks me up and down and goes, oh, shit, you, you fucking should be. Um, like, we have a school. And I'm like, you know, it's, I just didn't think that this was a thing that we yeah. could do. Uh-huh. Um, and that was what, I guess, planted the seed. And then it was always the, you know, the watering of the seed was, yeah, you're, 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 you're big, bro. Like, it's, you know, in this industry, it's, it is about your looks. It's about your size. It's a, you know, it's not about, you, you can learn the moves. You can learn how to move. Um, but there are things that are intangible that, you know, you're either given or you work hard for. And I think you have that in the sense, you know, you're, you're a big guy, so you'll stand out. And it was a lot of just hearing that from multiple different people that I turned around and Con and I obviously being best mates, you know, we, we train together often, both being fans. I said, look, they've, you know, they got a school down, down in Seaford. They're doing an intake. Um, what do we think? And we, we both didn't realize that this was something we could do. And we kind of just shrugged shoulders and said, well, fuck it. Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, and then we took our first bump in um, 2018. And I guess, you know, it's history ever since. We've had some off years and on times. Um, you know, we, we, we started at that school with Adrenaline, but then obviously um, we've made our home now with Relentless mm-hmm. when they opened up, I guess, midway through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now it started 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, joined them. And we, at least for myself, I knew of JXT and Fox. I didn't really know much of Navara, um, but you know, being under their tutelage, you learn really quick. Um, you know, they've been around in this business and, and they know their shit. So I guess shacking up with those boys, like we we die for them. We we'd work any show that they want us to work. Um, they they've gotten us essentially to where we are, and we could not be more thankful for that. But it was it was literally that. It was someone told me that there was wrestling around in the local area. Didn't really know it existed. So I said, fuck it, let's go. Booker comes up to me, looks me up and down and goes, why aren't you working this? And I'm like, oh, fuck it, man. You're probably right. Let me work it. <laughs> let me get yeah. let me get after it. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if um, if you didn't have Ricky at that time, 
do you think you would have gone? No. no, 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 no. And this is um like I'm pissed off that Ricky got to do this first because I know I'm extremely, extremely vocal about it. Um, and I could it like I genuinely just could not be more shoot about this. We've we've already had people that have explored discussions of oh, but what if what, what if we teased a, a BDE breakup angle? And I, I, I shut it down. I shut them down immediately. Uh, I go like there's uh, in no world will I ever consider um, it to be plausible that any kind of story would make sense where Connor and I, or Ricky and I rather, sorry to break the cave, babe, um, where we're just not cohesive. Yeah. You know, where we're just not a tag team. And if it ever got to a point where we were pushed enough and someone said, it just makes so much sense for you two to break up. Um, you know, I, I live by doing good business. Uh, for me, that's obviously not acting in good faith. And I would just go, great, fair enough. Um, I retire. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I, I, for me, and we did a uh, podcast, obviously, with uh, on the turnbuckle not too long ago. And we said the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, and I was quite vocal about it. I said, look, there's two reasons I will leave this business. One, if I'm just not having fun with it anymore, right? Very much, you know, I don't, you know, we don't, we're not in wrestling for the money. Right. Anyone in Australian pro wrestling will tell you the same thing. Um, we don't earn, you know, at least compared to the hazards that, that we that we put our bodies through. Yeah. Um, we don't earn enough to make a living off this. Right. Yeah. And at some point you obviously want to, right? Everyone wants to make it to the United the United States, the UK, Japan, where essentially they can make um, livings off what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Until that point, it can't ever justify um, being something that you make your full time profession. So if I'm not having fun with it, 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 it will never be something that I'll give up by being a lawyer for, for example, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that being said, I don't need it for the money. So the only reasons I would walk away is if I'm not enjoying it anymore or if I'm not in a tag team. I literally have no interest in singles titles. Yeah. None. Whatsoever. I don't care. Um, you know, DMD or MCW or any company could turn around and go, uh, we're thinking about pushing Big Dave and, and strapping him for the, the heavyweight top title. Okay, fair enough. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> that's no, that's all well and good. Give it to someone else. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. I, um, I, I love that when I spoke to Ricky, like he was like, when you guys like talk about wrestling and the things that you think... Like, you're always thinking like a unit. You know what I mean? Like, when you're talking about moveset, when you're talking about things that you're doing when you, you're trying to improve and stuff, it's always together. Like, you guys are focused on that. And 
like some of my favorite wrestling that really got me into wrestling was tag team wrestling, you know, Road Warriors, Demolition, Rockers, you know, all that kind of stuff. I used to love all the teams and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's enough of that these days, you know, like everybody wants to break up and do a barbershop thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that there's teams that want to do tag team wrestling. You know, I think that's important. Like, like, don't get me wrong. Love singles based wrestling. I love that. I love that division. Right. Obviously, for ninety percent of the viewers, that's what they're really there for, right? Or at least that's what got them into wrestling because it's easier to follow a narrative where you're only watching two people tell the one story, yeah. right? And they're just going back and forth, back and forth. And you add in the two other players with tag team wrestling, and, and I can understand where it gets a little bit convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, whilst I respect that so much. I think we focus so much on the singles-based division that we forget that there's a lot of beauty that can be told in tag team wrestling. Now, also, on top of all that, tag team wrestling is half the work um, <laughs> for the same pay. Yes. And I'm, you know, work smarter, not harder, brother. So um, if Ricky and I can <laughs> win over <laughs> and with our collective name, where Ricky works the heat and I just get there for a nice hot tag and I and I run my train gimmick. Um, look, it's, 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 it's fun. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, take off the, 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 the fun bullshit aside, there's so much potential for exploring, you know, narratives and, and, and different situations and setups in tag team wrestling that I think only now are we starting to see um, more of it, you know, especially with the AEWs that are really giving a lot of focus to the tag team division and the trios division stuff, which started in Japan as well. Like, I'm not going to stiff Japan. I know Japan's been doing some shit too over the last 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if we peel it back even more, we're obviously talking about the Dudleys, the Hardy Boys, like, you know, the Edges and Christians, but they were a side show appeal to obviously the Triple H's and Shawn Michaels that were running the singles division, right? You you, you were there for the heavyweight title and the tag title was something that you got 12 to 15 minutes on a show that was spectacular. Um, But it was never really about, unless you were those boys, it was never really about, okay, well, what are they going to do for the next four months um, other than fight for the belt, which I think, you know, in and of itself is a great story. but that's all the division has really been for a very long time was you got tag teams that do spectacular shit, but then really their story is, well, who's going to go for the belt? Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, we're kind of doing that at the moment, but we, we want to start really exploring what, what can two people do as a cohesive unit story-wise mm-hmm. and tell that can captivate the same way that um, – a Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels did that, that a Stone Cold and The Rock did, mm-hmm. um, where they I don't know how often they fought for the belt, but when I think of their, those two, I don't think about a title between them, right? I think about a story that they told for three to four years, and then they moved on to tell other stories. Um, there's not many tag teams I know that that have ever had the same kind of allure about them, um, and I want us to try and be that, or at least for the Australian scene, where you look at them and you go. Yeah, they fight for the belts and, you know, we're only a year and a half in now and fair enough, that's what we're going to do um, to add a bit of prestige to the BDE name. But then it's going to be about, well, who's, what are BDE going to do as, as a unit to tell a story, right? What's our, what's our arc? Yeah. Uh, where do we go from here, mm-hmm. right? And I think, obviously, the fantasy pitch, we've heard, we hear it all before, but, you know, you, we'd, we'd want to fight our trainers, right? And we want to tell a story of, I guess, 
protege and master, right? Like it's, it's not belt based, but it's, it's now our transition into something bigger than, than, than titles. And now it's about, okay, what, what's the story of BDE and where does it go? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember what the original question was, Waif, but you know. I, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. I love it. All of it, all of it is relevant. And, and you're right. The, with tag teams and stuff like that, it does tend to be title-based. And I think the story's there. I think there's stories of friendship that can be told. I think there's, um, you know, back-against-the-wall situations. One friend is down and the other friend is standing over them and protecting them. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's things yeah. that can be done. There's inner stories. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. if we had to use an example, obviously it was, it was title-based, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I guess more just between Ricky and I, obviously we, we read further into what the story was, but when we look back at our time with misspent youth, um, you know, four, four matches we had against them, various different settings, obviously more us chasing the belt and them defending that. But for us, it was the story of our, um, of our coming out, right? Yeah. This was, they, they're a tag team unit cohesively because they're a couple. Yes. Um, right. So, but our story as a cohesive unit, you know, it's, it's not off. Well, I guess it is often told, but it's not really overemphasized was that we're, we're best mates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was bromance versus romance Yeah. for a very long period of time. Um, you know, we never really promoted it or, or publicized it that way, but it really was that it was like, well, what makes a stronger tag team? Um, and for a long period of time there, it was their connection that did. And, but I think the beauty of what we did subtly was it was never about the bromance having an internal struggle so much as it was the bromance learning every single time. And that was how our tag team, our tag team psychology works was you can, you can beat us, right? Where everyone, everyone can be beaten. Um, but you know, we, we don't lose the same way again. And we think romance has its, has its limitations. Um, you're always going to step over each other, but I don't think that's what BDE will ever do. Um, I don't think BDE will ever step over one another um, and trip over one another. I think it'll always be a, okay, we fucked up there. Well, let's not do that again next time. Right? Yeah, and that yeah. was the kind of subtle story we told, I think, with every match. And it was it started with the inexperience, but the story internally was every single match, we got better. We got better. We learned. We structured. Um, but misspent the youth, they just relied on the fact that um, the only reason that they're on the same page was because that they were a couple um, and we took advantage of that at the end. Right. So that's when eventually the heel turn for them kicked in. And then once they lost their way, we'd stayed the same, but we had gotten stronger. Um, and I think that's something we carry through with every promotion that we're going to work with is BDE isn't a tag team where we lose because we trip over one another. Um, and then you, by doing that, you always plant the seed of dissent between a tag team at some point. I don't, I don't think that'll be, that'll be something we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's where I want to see more, more from tag teams, not just in Australia, but just, I guess, worldwide too, is, you know, you're telling a, a, a macro narrative, but what's the minutia between you two, right? What's the, the driving psychology? Um, and I think that's ours. Mm, yeah. That it's so interesting, buddy. Like uh, you guys just think it all the way through. I was uh, in the house for, not here to fuck spiders, uh, the, the second event under that name, I guess. Um, and I was in the house, so that was the only time I've seen BDE live. But like you said, the song hits from the start. These, these guys explode out and you're like, what's going on here? 
but what you the story you guys ended up telling was really a, a tag team in peril when sort of things go wrong because you guys were gushing blood everywhere and just going through it. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I talked to you at the, I don't know if you remember, I, I talked to you at the merch stand afterwards and you were talking to me and your head just started bleeding like again while yep. we were talking, you know? Like, and I was like, these guys have been through it. So, so like there's definitely uh, places you can go and things you can do if you're constantly trying to think outside the narrative of a team that will eventually implode. Well, and I think, you know, really to draw draw it all the way back um if we're going to be completely honest obviously we wanted to be a tag team just because that's what we wanted to do mm-hmm. but when when we walk through the doors of APW and when we walk through the doors of, of Relentless um you know we were quite vocal from the start that we didn't want to train singles based style we are we're a tag team yeah. um and the reason was was because it was a business decision um, there are no, correct me if I'm wrong, you might, you definitely know the scene better than I do, but there are no tag teams that have ever started as just tag teams. It's always been singles based wrestlers that have come together. Find now, whether other, or not yeah. they stay together as tag team and then that's what they now become known as. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the ultimate origin is always the same. They were singles wrestlers that either had some success or didn't really have some success. So in order to continue forward, they they tagged up. And then you obviously told the simple narrative of two guys coming together. They have some dissent, but then ultimately they do the bar gimmick where Seamus and, and Cesaro eventually learn to to act as a unit. And then they become a tag team. And then, and then you know, oh, thus becomes the tag team. Yeah. Um, I don't know of any tag team that's just started right out of the gates and said, fuck is we're, we're a tag team. And that was the business decision. We didn't see many tag teams in this industry. We had done our homework. We looked through it and we're like, look, we know the Philippe's obviously were, were there. We know the velocities, Aussie open at the time as well. Um, we know there are names that are tag teams, but none of them are really a tag team, right? We had mile high club was our first ever match, but Tyson Baxter and Jet Ruka were singles wrestlers predominantly, mm-hmm. um, right? That that had obviously success as my high club. So, you know, they 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 had the ability to transition to single stuff whenever they wanted to. That's great. I love that for them. Um, but that's just not for us, right? For us, it's your your booking BDE, right? It's it's not Big Dave, it's not Ricky Gilmore. Granted, he done the one-off show. Um, you know, I just don't work Sundays. But, <laughs> um, but like that's that it's exactly that it's the business decision um you know there there, there just weren't any tag teams that were primarily and, and if anything only tag teams mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely I, and i think uh well i i mean you two are friends and want to hang out and do this fun thing together but then also you're like well we come as a package deal and that that's what it is and that's what we want to do and and that's the goal and there's an opening within this sort of market, like you said, for that. And plus, you're two pretty fucking big dudes. You know what I mean? And there isn't heaps of those, really, in wrestling always either. Like, you know what I mean? In Australia. Some surprising big bodies. Like, yeah. I think what kind of shocked us was, um, like, the Philippe's are big boys. Yeah. Um, like, I've never on, seen on, them in real life. So. <laughs> yeah, like, like, a big shout-out to them. The Philippe's yeah. are big boys. Like, uh-huh. the prayer we recently just worked them. Um, Eli's a tall dude, man. Like, like there are bodies out there, but I think with like, with all that being said, 
Um, like we stand out because I think physically we're big. Like, you know, uh, I'm to my own horn. Like I'm a big guy, right? I build myself at 6'3". I'm not going to shoot on my real, real height here. There's a bit of bit of argument internally with, with how tall I might Listen actually be. the boots. Be. Sorry, you know. <laughs> and gimmick, and we're going to stick with that. Um, like we're, we're physically big guys, but I think, you know, the moniker of BDE is it's physical, but at the same time, I think what makes us stand out and makes us look larger when we're out there um, is that we're, our energy is, is, is going to be bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, we command a bigger presence mm-hmm. than, than anyone that's out there. And I think when we look and when we really, really break down um, why we look at some tag teams or some people and we go, um, okay, they look smaller, but when we see them in person, that they're, they're actually quite big mm-hmm. is because I don't think they command um, much of a presence when you see them, okay, right? Yeah. Versus when you see them up front. So I think that's what kind of separates us a little bit more. And that's what I've always, it's something I've, I carry with um, in the shoot life as well mm-hmm. is you walk with purpose, but you command presence always. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like, that's something I, I just do. So, and Connor does it as well. We, we've been raised that way. Um, you know, it's part of our backgrounds. He, he's a business person as well. I come from a business background. It's been something that's been drilled into us is no matter what you're doing, you, you command, um, you command attention, you know, good or bad. So I think that's why we stand out and like why we look big, both physically and doesn't matter who we go up against. We're always going to be bigger than them um, is because, you know, your eyes are going to be on us. We're doing something, right? Whether yeah. I'm being get on the apron, trying to get for the hot tag, taking some really good heat. Um, we just command the the gaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could be versing like two seven foot brothers of destruction or whatever, but if you can be yeah. the bigger personality, then you're gonna be the bigger person on the screen, right? Well, I think that that's why, like, we're just so keen to work really big characters because I think it's and that's why, like, working the parade and Rocky Monero, um, at MCW. I don't know when this is going to drop, but that was when last time we were at MCW. Um, it was a good test for us because they're, they're big characters, right? You know how the prayer walk around the, the ring. Rocky obviously has just a wealth uh, of experience under him. He knows how to command an audience. So they're going to look at him. So for us, and obviously Ugg was there too, right? Ugg's a physically big yeah. dude. Um, <laughs> but these are men that, that have commanded a presence in this industry and know how to. So for us, the test was, well, we're a year and a half in. We've, we've obviously done well so far. Um, to command against you know some of the some of the wrestlers in the industry, but we haven't really sharpened our our, our, our iron against those that 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 do it really well. Yeah. So when we went out there, at least for myself, the mindset was, you know, the moves are going to be fine, the story is going to be great, but how am I going to command more of an attention than they are? Mm-hmm. Right? What am I going to do that makes you look at me or look at BDE and UG, uh, more than you're looking at the family? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that that is what I love so much yeah. <laughs> about performing is well, what's the creativity with making you stare at me and watch what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And f- feed off that audience, interact with that audience and make sure you're mm-hmm. grabbing attention. Right. Yeah. But grabbing appropriate attention, you don't want to take attention yeah, yeah, away yeah, yeah, yeah. from what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's something that I've had to learn, um, you know, throughout the year and a bit so far was how to, you know, realize that um, it's not always going to be about me because I'm just the guy on the apron until it becomes my time, right? So any kind of attention that I do draw needs to draw back into the moment, right? And I think, um, you know, it's that juggling act of, yeah, okay, I can 
be a fucking lunatic on the apron trying to get the tag, trying to cheer Ricky on. Um, but it needs to be that. It needs to be cheering Ricky on. It needs to be look at me, but then immediately look at him and see what's going on here because that's that's where your attention should be. But it should be on us. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think, yeah, it was that juggle act. And, uh, look, we're, um, we like to think we're humble. Um, and I think, you know, after every single match, I know for a fact that we turn around to each other and we go, great, that was fine. What can we do better? Yeah. Um, you know, could we have, um, when we, when we took that punch to the left, could I have shotgunned it a little bit harder? Um, you know, when I was working the apron, maybe not so much running because I think, you know, we, we forgot that, you know, you're meant to be selling a really big beat down here. Um, there's a lot that we look back and we go retrospectively, well, what's, what's next, right? What, how, how do we improve? Right? Yeah. And I think, um, exactly that and realizing that, you know, whilst we should be commanding attention, we need to command it appropriately. Yeah. Now that's super, that's super interesting, man. Uh, I get, I guess one question that, that immediately sort of came to my mind for you when, you know, you, you told me about your, your work and, you know, things you, you do being a lawyer. How do you control like work-life balance when it comes to something as serious as a career like in law plus fitness, gym and things like that? plus professional wrestling. You know what I mean? I, I struggle, I think, in and as a lot of people do, with work-life balance between, you know, something as simple as, like, podcasting, managing a <laughs> store, making sure, my you know, my wife is good, looking after a new puppy that you met briefly. You know, all of these things that you do, they take up a lot of time, and you're like, there's only so many minutes in a day. So how do you, how do you find yourself structuring that and making sure that you're giving everybody the appropriate amount of attention, you know? Uh, Rafe with great fucking difficulty. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping you had some fucking great secret for me because I'm like, he's doing way harder stuff than me. So surely he's got with, a technique. With immense fucking effort and great fucking difficulty, Rafe. Yeah, um, look, yeah. it's, look, I'm glad you asked because I think it's, um, we, there's a lot of people in this industry and like, it's no, it's no poor reflection. Um, but there's a lot of people in this industry that are quite young that are starting quite young. Uh, Connor, uh, Ricky and myself, uh, you know, we're 28 this year. We're obviously, you know, spring chickens anymore. We're getting close to our thirties. Um, we've, we've had time in, in industry to, to realize um, what we want to do. And obviously we're in careers now, but the, the industry is populated by a lot of youth and that's a good thing, right? Obviously. Um, but at the same time, it does have its downsides. And one of the biggest downsides um, is you're going to give all your attention to it and you're going to brush away um, some of the, the important things to structure yourself 10 to 15, 20 years from now. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of like, you know, trying to go back to what we're talking about here. Um, the reason we're able to juggle wrestling so well, or at least definitely from my perspective, is we look at it very much as a, as a weekend thing. Um, we, I guess we've made obviously the sacrifice to say most Saturdays are going to very much be your write-off. They are wrestling days. Um, but every other day of the week, I'll be honest with you, I don't think about wrestling, um, but mostly for the fact that I don't have time to. Um, you know, we, we train when we need to, right? And we try to train as often as we can. But when I'm at work, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a lawyer. Right. Like I'm, I'm not thinking about 
my match on the weekend. I don't get nervous as it is anyway, so I'm really not worried about the things that 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 are forthcoming in terms of oh, am I scared to wrestle? Who am I scared to wrestle? Am I scared to do a move? Like I'm really not thinking about it, um, and that's what I think the biggest lesson most need to learn is if you if you're going to spend a lot of your time thinking about something that isn't going to be able to support you yes you'll survive for the short period um but what are you going to do when you're 25 26 27 and all you've done is wrestle um you know and i, and I love that ambition i love that kind of passion but it does need to come with a grounded sense of reality um and i think it is something that you only learn with experience and age um out there in the real world you know prior to a Prior to wrestling and prior to becoming a lawyer, um, you know, obviously I studied full time. I um, I ran a game company, uh, developed and um, computer based and app based games as well as software. Um, I you know was used to be a security guard. I've had various jobs throughout the years. Um, juggled them all while studying full time. I've got two bachelors and a masters. Like this, <laughs> it's I've 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 done variety of different things in the different areas before I got into wrestling, before I got into law. Now it's a little bit easier. I, I'm pretty much just a lawyer. And then on the re- weekends, I'm a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a period of time where I was also on radio as well as doing le- legal base work as, and then also wrestling. Um, that, that was a bit harder. Um, that was very much a, you know, I don't have much time for the personal life things. So, you know, I guess, to roundabout full stop answer the question, it does come down to the kind of sacrifices that you have to make. And there really is something that you learn just throughout experience, but you know, Saturdays are for wrestling. Once that's done, every other moment of my life belongs to the other things. Right. So my partner, um, you know, obviously going to make time for your personal life. And we try to do things as often as we can outside of work and wrestling. So fortunate that um, she loves wrestling and loves coming to these things. Otherwise I would, have to not take as many bookings on a Saturday night because yeah. Saturday night is more often than not date night or club night. So um, it's a beautiful thing that she does come to these shows and loves coming to these shows. So that is something that we can do together. And if I didn't have that, then I think this would be a lot harder to. Yeah, absolutely. That support is so important. It's how I'm able to do the podcast, I guess, because you know, my wife really supports it. She does all the artwork for me and things like that. So that really goes a long way. And even though she's like, you know, just worked a full day to 8.30 at night or whatever tonight, you know, she comes home and takes care of the dog and has no issue with the fact that I'm I'm in here talking to essentially a new friend, but a stranger before that from the other side of Australia or if not the other side of the world, you know. So, yeah, I completely get it. So you seem very goal-based. So as we start to wrap up here, what are yours and Ricky's goals, do you think, going forward uh, throughout the end of the year and into the ongoing sort of uh, accomplishments for Be There? I've said this from day one, and I'm, 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 we're gonna do it. Like I, I, I fucking, I'll put every will and motion that I have to. Uh, I want to unify every single Victorian tag team title. Wow. Um, yeah, we, we shoot said it since day one. Yeah, mo- and I think it's one of the things that um, you get asked often, or at least I'm going to assume most wrestling schools ask you it. The boys definitely asked us. We love this for them. Um, you hear a lot of like, oh, I want to join. I want to make it to the WWE. I want to be. I want to be you know, WWE champion. I want to make millions upon millions and millions of dollars. Great. Like I, I love that. Right. That's you. You want to have goals that are so ambitious that 
you know, shoot for the moon, if not fall amongst the stars, right? So you'll get, you'll get partway there. And if you don't get there, great. Mm-hmm. Don't hold yourself, don't beat yourself up to it because at some point you're going to, you, you're far better off than where you started, yeah. right? So love those goals, love those. But I wanted to have a bit more of a grounded goal. That did seem unrealistic, but in my head, I was like, no, no, if I politic well enough, I think I can get it done. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to unify every single Victorian tag team title. Um, and I think, I think it can be done, Rafe. I think it can be done. We're holding two at the moment. We plan to pick up a third really damn fucking soon. Um, we're going to win that PCW tournament. Um, and then I guess, you know, uh, obviously we know now that um, uh, the Philippe's have dropped it. You know, we were keen to get one up back against them. Um, Slex and Tommy Knight, at least by the time, hopefully by the time this one drops, they've still got it. Um, we got our eyes set on them too. Like there's, for right now, the story of BDE is to try and just walk into every company and prove that, you know, when it comes to being a tag team, you're not better than what we're going to be. Um, we've, we've, we've done our time. We're still rookies, obviously. Don't get me wrong. There's still so much we can learn. But the energy that we carry says to us that um, unless you have 10, 15 years of being best mates outside of this, where I can, I'm literally in his mind, um, you're not going to be a better tag team than us. Um, and by that logic, we're, we're coming to pick up every single belt. And then what we do after that, fantastic, right? Maybe let's unify them, right? Let's see, let's see what we can do when we defend uh, one BDE tag team title in, in every promotion uh, in Victoria. Maybe then we go over to Adelaide. Maybe we go over to Sydney and we start defending it there and we start picking up some of those as well. And then we'll become the Australian tag team champions, right? Yeah. We're just building blocks on top of that. And then maybe WWE calls. Right, and then we turn them down at first instance, right? But then they come back asking for more from BDE. And we go, great, all right, good. Let's negotiate, right? We'll drop these belts, but we're going to walk right into that company. We're going to prove the exact same thing that we've been proving in Australia for the last couple of years, right? We're the best tag team that there is here. Um, and by doing that, we start at the small ground roots, and that's by unifying every Victorian tag team title. That's it. And then they end up the greatest tag team in the world. I absolutely love it, Davo. Tell people where to find you on social media and how to support BDE. I'm a bit cheeky. I don't have a universal tag. I really should. Um, you can find me across Instagram at the Halfcast Prince. T H E H A L F E. No, no, not E. Don't drop the E. Uh, Cast with a C A S T E and then Prince. And then I think I'm Big Daveski on Twitter. Well, I'll put them all in the show notes so everybody can locate you very easily and keep apprised of everything that BDE are going to be doing. My dude, I hope to see you in person uh, when I'm over there in October and share a cold beer with you, hopefully. Oh, mate, we're just one. <laughs> well, I would. Well, I was told that BDE do the buying of the first round, so that that's a, that's what Ricky told oh, me. And so, yeah, <laughs> people. I got an Asian background, right? All right, I'll buy I'll buy the first five. All right, leave, leave it with me. You're in our home. Well, okay, we support you, oh, mate. Well, this sounds amazing to to me. It is uh, my birthday when I'm over there. I turn very old, so I'll be uh, doing that with uh, the great BDE guys and having an awesome time. So it's I mine too wait. as well. Oh, I, really? I turned 28 on the on the eighth of October. Really, I turned 40. On the eighteenth of October, Can oh, you believe right. that with these youthful good looks and yeah, look at David Yeah, you're only as old as you feel in your heart, man. Right? <laughs> I feel like I'm eighteen fantastic. still, so so I'm in good in good hands. I think, dude. I want to thank you so much for your time. It was so fun getting to know you. I can't wait to see what you guys achieve. I really think there's very few tag teams that have come out the gate like BDE have, and I 
don't think there's many that can match your energy. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, there are none. <laughs> there are none. All <laughs> right, we'll, 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 keep, we'll keep that narrative going. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So for Big Davo, for Ricky Gilmore, for BDE, and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks for spending your time listening to the Faces and Feels podcast. Faces and Feels is a DIY project recorded and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Faces Feelscast, or just head straight to our link tree, linktr.ee slash Faces Feelscast to find all the info you'll ever need about the show. You can stream the episodes, be directed to your favorite podcast providers, find links to all our social media platforms and sponsors, and you can even buy me a coffee. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or interview requests, you can send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and Spotify. A banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! DeathmatchWorldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.